Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Hope that you are having a great weekend. So glad that you came to be with us today. Hope you're going to hang around for the picnic after church today. We know that some people are traveling. Hopefully you're joining us online if that's you and you had to be out of town this weekend. Hope you're having a great vacation if you're on vacation. Uh, hope that everybody here gets to take vacation at some point. Um, but we're glad you're worshiping with us today. The thing about vacation is that sometimes, uh, maybe you were this way, did any of you have like traveling songs that you always listened to when you went on a trip? Maybe you made a playlist or maybe you have different playlists for different locations. So you have a playlist if you're going to the mountains, you have a different playlist if you're going to the beach or a playlist for the lake. Maybe, maybe you have individual playlists for all of those things. But um, when, when I was a kid which uh, was pre-Spotify days. No, it's hard to tell, but it was pre-Spotify days uh, when I was a kid. I remember a particular traveling group of songs that, that my family would listen to anytime we went anywhere. Now, these songs were on an eight track, which I know most of you don't know what an eight track is, never seen in Eight track. Eight tracks are also pre-Spotify, uh, by the way, <laughs> and pre-iTunes, and pre-CD, and pre-cassette, and basically prehistoric. Um, so we 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 had this eight track that we would listen to. If you've never seen an eight track, it's like a cassette times four. You take six cassettes and you take, it's about this big. It's almost the size of a VHS tape. And some of you have never seen a VHS tape. <laughs> but it's about this big. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, we had an eight-track tape player in the car. And whenever we would go, there was, there was a certain uh, eight-track tapes that we would listen to. The one I remember the most is an eight-track tape called Country Roads. That was the name of it. I found a picture of it, right? That's it. Notice this is tape three. It was like a four-set uh, volume of eight-track tapes called Country Roads, and we would listen to it all of the time when we took a trip, and it's probably why I despise country music to this day. <laughs> it's probably because of this eight-track. Even so... Even today, when I hear John Denver sing Country Roads, I have a flashback to this 8-track because we would listen to it all the time. Now, the, the, the reason you have traveling music uh, is not just for the enjoyment of it, um, but it's to make you forget how far you have to go, right? It's to take your mind off the fact that you're not there yet. You've been traveling a long time, but you have a long time to go. So it's a distraction technique, right? So that you forget how much farther you have to drive. You forget that you have to go to the bathroom. You like all of those things. Because when I was a kid, there wasn't a QT at every exit either. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but you wanted to be distracted. We still use music and playlists for distractions today, right? If you're a parent, you have listened to Disney songs over and over and over until you wanted to harm somebody because it kept your kids quiet, right? You put up with a lot 
because it distracted your kids. And, and I realize we're, we're maybe beyond a little bit the playlist for kids, and, and now they watch movies on their iPad and they play games on their iPhone. And the other benefit today is not everybody has to listen to the same music. Right? We have headphones and AirPods, so everybody can pick their own playlist. Everybody can pick their own songs. When I was a kid, we did not have these luxuries. Everybody listened to the same thing, whether you liked it or not. And for my family, it was Country Roads 8-Track. Now, the Psalms, which we're talking about in this series, the Psalms has a collection of travel songs. Uh, it's Psalm 120 through 134. These were used when the people of Israel were traveling back to Jerusalem for the annual feast. They would sing these 15 songs, always in that order. Again, it wasn't Spotify. There was no shuffle. It was beginning to end 120 to 134 as they neared Jerusalem. The closer they got to Jerusalem, two things happened. The roads got more crowded, as you can imagine. Everybody's kind of spilling in from little side roads into the main roads going to Jerusalem. It's like going into Atlanta, right? The closer you get to Atlanta, the more congested it gets because everybody's going the same direction. That's the way Jerusalem was, right? Thousands of years ago, everybody's going back for the feast. They're going back to celebrate, going back to worship. And the closer you get, the more people are in the lane. And the last stretch on the way to Jerusalem was uphill. It was this uphill climb back to Zion, back to the city of God, back to Jerusalem. So to help with that, the people came up with this playlist. And they would all begin to sing it. And they would all begin to encourage one another with this specific playlist. As a matter of fact, when you, if you go to Psalm 120, or we're going to be in 121 in just a minute, all of the Psalms from Psalm 120 to 134 have this title in your Bible, probably. And the title is A Song of Ascents. Or a song of going up, maybe literally. But we call these songs of ascent. They were climbing songs. They were traveling songs. Everybody's going up to Jerusalem. So you'll see that marker, a song of ascents. Now, there was a lot of different purposes for these songs. Here's a couple. The songs of ascents encouraged the travelers in their journey. So it was an encouragement to keep going. Don't give up. Keep traveling. And it connected them to their past and connected them to each other. Connected them to their past, connected them to each other. Again, it wasn't like today where everybody could listen to their own playlist. Everybody sang the same 15 songs in the same order as a way to encourage each other. Keep walking, keep climbing, don't give up. We're almost there. Let's go, stick with it. But it also connected them to their past. Because pilgrims had been walking this road year after year after year. This same road, singing these same songs. They weren't the first to sing these songs. They weren't the first to travel this road. They wouldn't be the last to sing these songs. They wouldn't be the last to travel this road. It connected them with their history. Some people think that one of the bigger connections 
was remembering the return of God's people from exile. I won't go too deep into that, but Israel gets carried away to Babylon, and then there's this moment where they all start coming back. They get released from captivity. They all start coming back to Jerusalem. And so as they're walking, as they're singing these songs, 10 years later, 100 years later, they're remembering our mothers and fathers, our grandmothers and grandfathers, our great-grandmothers and great-grandfathers. They walked this road, and can you imagine what it must have been like for them to get a first glimpse of Jerusalem? Coming back from captivity, can you imagine what that would have been like? So all of that empathy, all of that connection was wrapped up in this playlist that connected them to their their heritage and their their ancestors, but it it connected them to one another too because they all sang the same thing. Nobody tuned out. Nobody put their AirPods in. Everybody sang along. And, And they realized, I'm not alone on this road. I'm not the only one climbing this hill. I'm not the only one that's a little bit tired and has thought a couple of times about giving up. I'm not the only one walking this road. It's kind of like what we do on Sunday morning, right? You don't choose your own playlist on Sunday mornings. You don't sing your own songs. We all come and we all sing together and we hear each other's voices, right? And, and, and maybe it's not your favorite song that particular Sunday. Maybe you'd swap out a couple of songs. I wish we'd sing this song instead of that song. We don't do that. We just come together and we start singing. This is the way it was thousands of years ago as pilgrims made their way toward Jerusalem. Now, the songs of ascent start in Psalm 120. And it's an interesting start because it's, it's not a real encouraging start. It's not a real joyful start. As a matter of fact, Psalm 20 begins this way. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he hears me. I call him because I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm struggling. They had reached that point in the journey. You've been there. They had reached that point in the journey where they're just tired. I call on the Lord in my distress. And, and, And we would think encouraging songs should be more like, hey, we're so happy. Can't wait to get there. Yeah, we got snacks. Yeah, it's great. I love our trip. And they started out by saying, this is hard. This has been, this has been a hard journey. And, and, and they, they say things like, you know, there's some people who don't like us. People are lying about us. There's all of this hostility we're facing. So the songs of ascent begin with this very honest depiction of a road that's just been really hard. It's been really hard. It's been a struggle. But as they begin to sing, their hearts begin to get encouraged as they realize their connection to their past and their connection to their future because they know people are going to be singing these songs long after we're gone. This same song, this same road. Mary and Joseph, when they went up to dedicate Jesus to the temple, they sang these songs. When Jesus led his disciples back to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, we read about that all of the time in the Gospels. On the way, they would have sung these songs. These songs connected them in a way that few things could connect them, and they begin in distress. 
Psalm 121, which is where we're going to hang out today. Second Psalm of Ascent begins like this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now, at the risk of kind of banging on the King James Version, I don't mean any offense, but the King James has a terrible translation of this particular verse. And unfortunately, it's the one that a lot of people memorized and a lot of people crocheted and a lot of people put on a picture in their, in their house. This is how the King James translates it. I will lift up mine eyes un, unto the hills from whence cometh my help. The King James gives the idea that I see the mountains and I get strength from the mountains. Like the mountains encourage me. And, and those of you who love the mountains, you love that translation, right? I get it. It's, it's hanging on your mountain home right now, right? It's the mountains that gives me strength. It's just that's not at all what he was saying. And the NIV kind of corrects it. He's, he's walking along, and he sees the mountains. I see the mountains, and then the mountains prompt this question in him. Where does my strength come from? Where, where does my help come from? He doesn't think it comes from the mountains. He's questioning where it actually comes from in light of the mountains. Now, there's, there's several different interpretations, applications of what the mountain represented. Like, why did the mountain make him ask that question? And there's a lot of different answers. It's kind of good that there's a lot of different answers because we all face a lot of different mountains in our lives, don't we? Like we see things that cause us to be intimidated and it's not the same for all of us. We, we see things that look big and intimidating. We see things that cause fear in us and it's not the same for all of us. The mountain that you're looking at right now that's going, whew, like where am I going to get strength for this? It's probably not the same as the mountain that I'm looking at that's going, I don't know if I have what it takes. See, that's what happens. He sees the mountain and he goes... I don't know if I have enough to get there. I don't know if I have enough to get through that. So what are some of those mountains? Well, here's some of the ideas. The mountains could be a very threatening place. It could be a place that, that causes fear and anxiety. Um, if you were in a valley and you were surrounded by mountains, you were very vulnerable. It was a favorite spot for robbers and attackers. They could hide out. We know that if you have the high ground, you're in a much better position than if you're walking through the valley. David even says this in his really famous Psalm, Psalm 23. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like that's how intimidating the valley could be. If mountains are towering over us, then we're vulnerable to attack and a lot of people think that's what he saw. He said, look, we got we to gotta get through that. And his heart was immediately filled with fear that then causes him to ask, well, how am I going to face that? How am I going to get through that? Because he has this, this moment of clarity, right? He sees the mountain and then he realizes the mountain isn't all there is to my reality. God is actually with me as I'm facing the mountain. God is present. Where does my help come from? His answer is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. It doesn't come from the mountain. 
the, the, the mountain is what's causing me fear. The mountain, mountain is what's making me feel vulnerable, what gives me strength, what watches over me. That's a word that he uses. What protects me, what keeps me, the psalmist says, is the God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is with me. He is my rock, right? So some of us face what we'll call the mountain of fear. The mountain of fear. We're looking at our life right now, and there are intimidating situations. There are intimidating issues. There are intimidating people. And in our hearts, it causes us to begin to fear. And the psalmist would say, what, what you have to do is, when, when we see the mountain of fear, we have to remember that God's bigger than the mountain. We see the mountain of fear rising on the horizon. You and I have to remember that God is bigger than the mountain. Not only that, God made the mountain. The, the psalmist says he, he not only made the mountain, he made the heavens and the earth. The mountain is nothing to him. What causes me to fear is nothing to God. It's not intimidating to God. I don't have to feel vulnerable because the God who made way more than that mountain is my help and my protector and my keeper the psalmist this is another one of those chapters where the psalmist really is talking to himself right everybody's singing this song but the perspective of the narrator the perspective of the person speaking is he's speaking to himself right i, I look to the mountains and then i ask myself where does my help come from and then i tell myself my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven He's having a conversation with himself. He's talking with himself. We see this in other psalms, right? There's a psalm that goes like this. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Well, who's he talking to? He's talking to his soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. He's not telling anybody else that. He's telling himself that. He's talking to himself, right? And don't look at me weird. You talk to yourself too right? I mean, you know you do. You have that conversation, that thing that's always running in your mind. So here's what I would say. Since you're going to talk to yourself anyway, tell yourself to trust God. You're going to talk to yourself anyway. Stop telling yourself to be afraid. Stop telling yourself to worry. Stop telling yourself all of the things that could go wrong in your future and start telling yourself, the Lord's my helper, the maker of heaven and earth. You're going to talk to yourself anyway. Why not tell yourself, I, I need to trust God. You're going to be in the car tomorrow and you're going to be driving somewhere and your brain's going to be clicking and it's going to be telling you all of the disasters that wait for you the rest of the day all of the things that are going to go crazy you're going to you're going to have mental conversations with people and the psalmist would say look you're already crazy you're already talking to yourself why don't you tell yourself to trust the lord why don't you tell yourself that he's your help tell yourself that when you face the mountain of fear. Another mountain. It's the mountain of hostility is what I'm calling it. Uh, the mountain of hostility. In the Old Testament, 
the places where false gods would be worshipped and false religions would carry out their uh, sacrifices, in the Old Testament, they're called the high places. Right? And, and Jerusalem, uh, Israel is often told, you've got to get rid of the high places. You've got to tear them down. You've got to get rid of these false religions. And sometimes they obeyed and sometimes they didn't obey. And when they didn't obey, disaster happened. But that's what the high places were. And some people think when he sees this mountain, he's reminded there, there are people that are against us. There are people who don't agree with us. There are people who are hostile towards our faith, towards our, our walk with God, towards our belief. There are people who are hostile towards us, and we've got to walk through that. You and I live in a world that is sometimes hostile to what we believe. You, you and I live in a world that doesn't buy everything that you believe about your faith. And not only do they not buy it, they are often antagonistic towards it. And the psalmist felt this. The psalmist said, yeah, we walk through that all the time, but the Lord is our helper in that. The Lord is with us in that. The Lord is strengthening us in that. When we walk through the mountain of hostility, we have help. We walk through the mountain of hostility, we have help from God in those seasons. Look, you may not always have a good answer for that hostility. I get it. Like the world may pose questions about the Bible or about Jesus or about God. You may not have clarity on all of those answers. What you have is you have the help of God to keep walking through that. Right, students, you're going to become young adults. You're going to have your freshman year at college and your sophomore year at college. And chances are somewhere in that period, you're going to hear things that are hostile to your faith. You're going to hear philosophies that are the antithesis of what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about God, what you believe about His Word. And the psalmist would say, yeah, I've walked through this too. We've walked through the high places, and this is what we've found. Our help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's able to carry you through that. He's able to strengthen you through that. He's able to reinforce your faith even through those seasons where you experience hostility. We have mountains of fear. We have mountains of hostility that God calls us to walk through and walks through with us. And then, then we have uh, what I'm going to call the mountain of there. The mountain of there. One idea about the psalmist is that this mountain that he sees, it's the first glimpse they see of the mountains of Jerusalem, surrounding Jerusalem. So you've been walking and you're tired and it's an uphill climb and you finally get a glimpse of the city of God and the, the people say, man, I want to be there. I want to be there. I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of walking uphill. I'm tired of it being hard. I'm tired of the heat. I'm tired of the dust. I want to be there. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. And we sometimes do that, don't we? And when life is challenging, when life is difficult, do you have, ever have moments where you say, God, I just, I want this to be over. I want this to be past. I'm tired of worrying about this. I'm tired of thinking about this. I'm tired of having to deal with this. I want to be there, God. 
I want to get past this grief that I'm in. I want to be over this tragedy, whatever that means. I want to be there. God, can you get me out of here? Sometimes we don't even know where there is, do we? We just don't want to be here. I just want to be somewhere other than here. I want to be somewhere where I'm not struggling in the way that I'm struggling. I'm not questioning in the way that I'm questioning. I'm not feeling the weight of this moment. God, I want to be there. But here's the, the problem with, with wanting to be there. Often when we're in a hurry to get there, we miss the fact that God's here. We're in such a hurry to get there. We're not attuned to what God is doing here. The psalmist may have been saying, God, I see the mountains and I just want to be there. And and then I realize I have everything I need for right here, right now. My help is in the Lord the Lord, the maker of heaven, and I have everything I need here. Sometimes we want to get there so bad. We want to get out of whatever struggle we're in, whatever situation we're in. We are eager for the season to change. Have you ever been there? We are eager for this problem to pass. We are eager for this emotion to let go of us. We want to get there. And the psalmist reminds us, look, there's going to be good, but God's here. God's with you right now. He's not waiting for you there. God's not up at the mountain going, come on, if you just get here, I'll help you. God's at the bottom of the mountain with us walking up. He's holding us and carrying us. And as the psalmist, he's watching us. He's protecting us. He's keeping us. He's here, not just there. And and for some of us today, that's what we need to hear. I know you want to be there. I know you want to be past it. I know you want everything to be different. But as long as you're here, remember you have help. You have strength. You have power in the Lord God who is walking with you. Another wonderful thing that happens when we, when we find strength and security in the here, when, when we rest in God's goodness, goodness to us in the here, that's when we're better able to see that we aren't alone. Right? Sometimes we're so focused on there that we don't look around and realize this person's climbing a hill too and that person's climbing a hill too and that person's climbing a hill too and we're climbing in the same direction. And I get it. Everybody's journey, everybody's pain is unique in some ways but it's so helpful to our souls when we look around and realize I'm not, I'm not the only one climbing. I'm not the only one struggling. I'm not the only one tired of the dust and the, and the heat. I'm not the only one with sore muscles. We're all in this together. Let's sing to one another. Let's remind each other that our help is in the Lord. Until we get there, let's trust God here. If I had to summarize the rest of the chapter, which I have to summarize the rest of the chapter because I spent so long on verses 1 and 2. If I had to summarize the rest of the chapter, from from verse 3 on, the psalmist just says, 
what I told you in verse 1 and 2 will always be true. It'll always be true. There's not a moment it's not going to be true. If you're worried that you're sitting here in the house of God, we're studying God's word, and we just sang wonderful songs of worship, and you're, and you're feeling secure, and that tomorrow you're going to wake up and the help's not going to be there. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. The help that you have in Christ today is going to be with you tomorrow. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth that is keeping you today, he's going to keep you Tomorrow, look at verse 3. He, God, he will not let your foot slip. He, watch, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's not checking out on you tomorrow. Not only is he with you today, he's not taking tomorrow off. He's not taking Tuesday off. He's not going on vacation next week. He's going to be there. He's not sleeping. He's not slumbering. He has his eye on you. You're not going to walk without him at any point in your life. He's not checking. He's not distracted. He's not checking his phone. He's not tweeting. He's, he's not distracted by anything. He sees you. He's with you. The help that you have in God, he's, he's going to always be there. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night, depending on what time of year you made this journey. It could be really hot in the Middle East if you've ever traveled there. It would be really hot. sun can beat down. And the psalmist says, God's a shade to you. God's going to refresh you. God's going to restore you. If you put your trust in him. And, and he's going to do it by day. And he's going to do it by night. There's not going to be any difference. During the day, we see the road clearly, don't we? We know what the climb is. During the day, we see all the problems that we have to face. It's really clear. I've got this challenge, I've got this challenge, I've got this challenge. At night, everything gets a little fuzzy, doesn't it? Questions come at night that don't come during the day. I mean, let's be honest, for most of us, what gives us the most fear is not what we see clearly in the day. It's what we can't see at night. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how these questions are going to be answered. I don't know what might happen. It's all of the unknowns, isn't it? It's the night that gives us the most concern. And the psalmist said, look, day or night. Whether you can see it or you can't see it, whether you know what's coming, you don't have any idea what's coming, the Lord is watching over you. He's keeping you. He's protecting you. He's walking with you. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I love that phrase. He'll watch over your coming and going. That's the psalmist's way of saying, doesn't matter where, do you, where you go, he's watching. He's keeping. He's protecting. You're coming and going. You leave the house, he's watching. He's keeping. He's protecting. You come back, you travel, you go there, you go, doesn't matter where you go, your comings and your goings, God is watching. God is keeping. God is protecting. You're never going to escape this loving, helping, protecting God. Never going to escape Him. 
And, and just in case you're, you're thinking into the future, the psalmist said, well, you know, it's, it's now and forevermore. There's no end date. Did it? It doesn't expire at some point. It doesn't run out. You don't use it all up. Right? There's not a point where God goes, all right, you've used up all the help I can give you. We do that to one another, don't we? Like, all right, I ain't helping you no more. The psalmist says, no, now and forevermore. He will keep you. He will protect you. He will walk with you. No matter how steep the climb is, no matter how hot the day is, no matter how dark the night is, no matter how much you want it to be over, he's still going to be there. He's going to watch you. He's going to keep you. He's going to protect you. And we've got this phrase, and it's tricky. The psalmist said, the Lord will keep you from all harm. Yeah. Does that mean life won't be difficult? It can't mean that. Does that mean we'll never struggle? It can't mean that. I mean, if you just take the first two songs of Ascent... They're all in the context of risk, both of them. They're in the context of, this is a challenging road we're on. And the mountains are real. And the threats are real. And the hardships are real. I mean, the, the whole context of the beginning of the Songs of Ascent is, we're, we're walking some risky paths. And we're going to get dinged, and we're going to get arrows, and we're going to hurt sometimes. But the Lord will keep you. The Lord will protect you. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will be your help. And that's a really good soundtrack. It's a lot better than Country Roads 8-track. I can tell you that. And it's one that we need to play over and over in our heads as we journey on, as we continue to walk, as the road is sometimes steep, the Lord is my helper, the maker of heaven and earth. Night and day, he does not slumber. My coming and my going, from now and forever more. God, thank you Thank you that a fellow traveler thousands of years ago saw a mountain he didn't think he could face. But then he thought, where does my help come from? God is with me. So that we, fellow travelers, Travelers, many of whom are walking steep hills and dusty hills and the environment is hot. And the only thing worse than the day when we can see is the night when all of our fears take on new forms. Now we could talk to ourselves and say, wait, wait. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. 
travelers who sometimes look down the road and think, if I could just get there, I just wish I was there. I wish I wasn't here. Travelers who could take comfort in the reality that you are here, wherever here is. You are here day and night. You do not slumber. Our comings and our goings now and forevermore. The Lord is our help. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.